When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Are you ready to take your business to the next level? Every day there are countless books and articles that are published offering the key on how to make your business a success. It's easy to feel overwhelmed trying to keep up and run your business. That's why Deb Creer created the Business Power Hour. Keep up on the latest trends, best practices, and techniques for how to make your business a success. Let the Business Power Hour do the heavy work for you. Good morning, good morning. I am Deb Creer, and I am passionate about giving professionals the tools that they need to make themselves and their businesses as successful as possible. And today is another one of those programs that I absolutely love. It's something that I really don't have a lot of knowledge about. And you'll find out why here in in just a second. But please join me in welcoming Lori Mahalik-Levin to our program today. Welcome, Lori. Hi, Deb. It's really good to be here with you. Thanks so much for having me on. Great. We're going to have so much fun today. And I'm sure that we're all going to learn a lot. So this is, is always very cool. So let me tell people just a little bit about you, and then we will dive into this. So Lori Mahalik-Levin, JD, which means she's a lawyer, believes in inspiring and empowering working parents. She is the founder and CEO of Mindful Return, the author of Back to Work After Baby, How to Plan and Navigate a Mindful Return from Maternity Leave, and she is the co-host of Parents at Work podcast. She is mama to two wonderful redhead boys. Gotta love those redheads. Um, And they are eight and 10 and is a healthcare lawyer in private practice. Her thought leadership has been featured in publications, including Forbes, Fortune, The Washington Post, New York Times Parenting, Thrive Global, and The Huffington Post. So again, Lori, welcome. It's so good to be here. Thanks, Deb. I love it. I love it. Well, as I said at the start, this is something that I don't know anything about because I'm not a parent. Um, So I never had to deal with the fact that, you know, I go out on maternity leave and and come back. And, you know, we are going to focus on maternity leave. But yes, fathers, this applies to you, too. But, you know, clearly it applies far more to women. Um, But tell us a little bit about how it is that you got to where you are today and how you discovered that this really is your passion in life. Ah, absolutely, Deb. And I, I like that you referred to fathers as well. I do a lot of work to try to de-gender the lens of caregiving. So I would love to talk about it through the perspective of parental leave and encourage both moms and dads to take the time that they can uh, with their children. But how I got to where I am right now in my professional journey is probably best described as sheer desperation. I <laughs> was a lawyer. I was in private practice. I worked at a large firm. Mm -hmm. And then I worked in-house and did some policy work. And while I was working in-house, I had my two babies. And I returned to work after having baby number one and found Mm -hmm. it challenging. Mm -hmm. And then I returned to work after baby number two, two years later. And my husband and I like to joke that one plus one felt like 85. Things were falling apart. The wheels were You'd assume the first baby would be the worst, but it seems to escalate. (laughs) Yes. Things multiplied. Um, And I looked around for resources that could help me with the transition that I was going through, both Mm -hmm. the personal and the professional identity transition, because I wasn't the same person Mm -hmm. I was when I went out on leave. Right. And all I could find was snarky advice, like, oh, Mm -hmm. you might leave on your shirt if you're pumping, or don't put a photo of your baby on your Mm -hmm. desk. And I found all of that ridiculously unhelpful. Mm And probably written by somebody like me, who's not a parent. (laughs) Perhaps, or I don't know where it came from, but it just, it wasn't helpful to me. Um, And so I ended up taking an online course called the Abundant Mama Project, Mm. um, which was populated by women all over the globe who were trying to find the abundance in life instead of the overwhelm. They weren't all working parents transitioning back to work, but um, I found a lot of solace in connecting with a group of other people who were all 
trying to fight the Cheerios mm-hmm. under the table and trying to get out the door in the morning, mm-hmm. all that sort of stuff. And I said to my husband, who is a career coach and an entrepreneur, you know, somebody should create a course for new parents on how to go back in a way that's mm-hmm. calmer and more empowering. Mm-hmm. And my dear beloved husband said, well, what are you going to do about this? Yes. And so mm-hmm. suddenly um, this risk averse lawyer who never, ever saw myself mm-hmm. as someone who would be starting her own company sat down with shaking hands on my bed and the laptop. And I'm like, I'm going to write a blog post. Oh my gosh. And then that terror of publishing it and having three people mm-hmm. read it, you know, and then um, sort of fast forward. Mm-hmm. Um, I've been working on mindful return and in mindful return for the past seven years, I transitioned from working full-time with this being my passion project at night to um, a role at a law firm where I was a partner, but on a 60% schedule. And I was working on my return in the other 40% Mm -hmm. of my day. Mm -hmm. And then I shifted down to 50% at the firm and 50% mindful return. And just this past summer, I left firm world entirely. Wow. Um, I am now mostly doing mindful return, although I started my own law firm so I can still um, continue to serve some Mm -hmm. clients. Um. We currently support 84 different employers and helping their employees transition back to work after mm-hmm. parental leave because it is a huge retention issue for employees. Oh, definitely. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I mean, that's the, that's the sort of chronological story of mm-hmm. how I got to sitting here with you today being mostly focused on my own company. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and that's great because that's how a lot of people, especially women, you know, we, we, we did this thing and then we went, Oh, we really love this. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and, and then we ended up starting our own companies, um, you know, and, and founding our own businesses because, you know, it, it is, it seems like we, we go more with our passions, um, you know, and, and so I, I love hearing the stories, you know, it, you mentioned that this was really just out of desperation that, that you started this. And so, you know, talk about, you know, you, you kind of talked a little bit about the fact that you know, with first baby, it was, uh, but with second baby, for some reason, it was just incredibly difficult. Um, so talk to us a little bit more about that. And especially, you know, everybody's job is demanding when you go back, but a legal career, you know, being an attorney is, you know, you, you can't say, sorry, judge, I can't be there today. Um, you know, and, and, you know, or you can't say, gee, we're going to have to postpone the deposition, all those things. Um, so talk about how that, that really was a struggle for you. Yeah. So I think, I mean, I, I use that one plus one equals 85 Mm -hmm. thing a lot because when you look at the data on the leaky leadership pipeline, Mm -hmm. Um, which is really why I founded Mindful Return, because I was so frustrated that mm-hmm. women weren't getting to the leadership positions because we were falling out at some point. Mm-hmm. Um, you find that a, a lot of women end up leaving the workforce whenever they have their first child. Mm-hmm. But there is something called second child syndrome, where you actually have more people leaving after baby number two. Ah. And there is... Um, sort of a multiplying effect of the number of logistics that need to Mm -hmm. be handled whenever a second baby arrives. In our house, it was all compounded by a massive lack of sleep. I mean, you think you're not sleeping with one, and then you've Mm -hmm. got number two, who's a toddler, who might be potty training and up Mm -hmm. and whatever. Um, And just the the need to navigate so many more logistics. Yes, they come more naturally to you because you've been through it with Mm -hmm. one child, but, you know, drop off and pick up at a childcare or maybe at two different mm-hmm. schools, if one mm-hmm. of them is older, um, it just sort of like multiplies exponentially, mm-hmm. at least it did for me, mm-hmm. the number of logistical issues that need to be handled and the level of fatigue mm-hmm. that happens. Um, also in the United States, you may know that we don't have uh, paid parental leave. Right. Um, yeah, that's a big issue right now. Hopefully mm-hmm. we'll walk away from the Build Back Better Act with four weeks of paid mm-hmm. leave, but right now we have zero. Mm-hmm. And I found for myself that I had bankrupted myself of any vacation time by taking it for the parental leave with my first child and then using it for, you know, all the sick days because right. yeah, kids end up yeah, in daycares yeah. with germs and all mm-hmm. sorts of things. Yeah, those cootie factories. Mm-hmm. Yes. And then baby number two arrived for me two years later and I was out of sick days. I was out of vacation days. I was out of leave days. And you just don't have a chance to sort of find a way to restore and renew yourself because you're bankrupt mm-hmm. on that. So I think that there are some, some policy issues there. Mm-hmm. Right. 
know, and, and I mean, that is one of the, the weird things, man. I'll be honest. I thought that it was, you know, that, that it was guaranteed that you got a certain period of time. Um, and, you know, and, and then I realized now it is, there are some states and then of course companies have, you know, the ability to do it. And, and I love the ones that give both mother and father time off. Um, you know, I think those are, are great, but, you know, of course, then the tricky thing comes in the fact that, you know, the other employees are, well, Lori just got a six week vacation (laughs) back to, you know, those of us who haven't had kids and you're like, Oh no, 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 no. (laughs) It was not a vacation. And in many cases, People are still checking in from home and we're not going to talk about COVID for a little bit. This is, you know, pre-COVID where people still are checking in at work. You know, it's not that they're saying, hey, I'm not going to do anything at all during the time I'm home. And so they're just really adding, you know, lots of of things to their workload. Well, we have to be careful in that category because for some folks who are, for example, on disability um, in certain companies, they're, oh, yes. not, they're not permitted to be connected to their right. Oh, uh, yes, because it messes up the disability. Right. Yep. Mm-hmm. And um, I, I do think it's a very personal decision mm-hmm. uh, for people whether to completely disconnect mm-hmm. um, while they are out with their baby, which I think mm-hmm. they should be absolutely entitled to do, mm-hmm. um, right. or if they feel like touching base is going to help them um, stay more connected mm-hmm. to the team and um, be able to jump in more easily mm-hmm. whenever they come back. Mm-hmm. Um, I am all for setting very clear expectations between employer and employee about what Mm -hmm. that communication pattern is Mm -hmm. going to look like Mm -hmm. um, during leave because it's not the same for everyone. But and yes, to your point, it is absolutely not a vacation in any form Mm -hmm. stretch of the word. I mean, try keeping a completely helpless human being Mm -hmm. alive um, around the clock uh, Mm -hmm. for you know. I, I was breastfeeding my son, for example, and he ate 13 times a day, Deb, for the oh first my. Time. <laughs> That was my job, right? And mm-hmm. even mm-hmm. new moms often walk into maternity leave going, ah, I got this list of 20 things I'm going to get done while I'm at home. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I guess. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You know, the first time. baby, that's funny. They always have all these, you know, they're organized. And I love it. You talked about that in your book. You, mm-hmm. you had it all organized. You had it all planned out then. <laughs> no, 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 no. It all goes awry. And so, you know, I really encourage people at offices to consider um, when they're thinking about someone going on leave. First of all, one, it's not a vacation. It's it's a microaggression to call it that. Yeah, and it's not two, a microaggression. It's more than that. <laughs> yes. And two, remember that we are all human. We are all going to need to go on leave at some point to take care of someone or something. Right. Mm-hmm. And so please view this just as any, you know, your... Um, uncle might have a heart attack and you need to go take care right. of him or your spouse, your spouse. You might yeah. have an, a health issue at some point. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, to the extent we can view leave taking with that sort of reciprocal compassion, mm-hmm. I think it elevates the conversation with right. an employer. Right. Yeah. You know, and, and so, you know, not to, to get political with all of this, it should be more family leave so that if it's the uncle, if it's the spouse, if it's the baby, you know, you're not using up your vacation time, um, you know, and, and, and yeah. Yeah, because it, as you mentioned, you know, one of the big things is it is a, a retention issue. Um, you know, if you're, you know, say you are the, you know, the caregiver of whoever, I mean, if you feel that you can't take the time off, but you need to take the time off, yeah. then you're going to quit your job. Um, and we're you know. in a huge period of massive turnover and everybody's leaving. And um, I want to just brag on mindful return for a moment so that the average number of women who return to work after having a baby in the United States is 64%. 64% go back and basically yeah. a third do not mm-hmm. go back after having mm-hmm. a baby. Um, but mindful return tries to, you know, we try to insert a, a program in this narrative mm-hmm. to help change that. And we studied a thousand people who had been through the mindful return course um, at the beginning of last year Mm -hmm. to find out what the retention rates for those thousand Mm -hmm. people who had been through the program over a five-year period. Mm -hmm. And of those thousand people, 85% were still with their same employer and 93% were still in the workforce. So we know that offering Mm -hmm. support to your employee to say, hey, right. You're a brilliant employee. We care about you. We want you to come mm-hmm. back after you have this baby, and we're going to help you have a tool to be able to do that. Really makes a difference. It helps the employee feel supported. They feel like they have a community they can connect with. So, 
you know, this isn't some soft skill. Oh, like help the parent out and yeah. make them feel comfy. No. It's mm-hmm. like retain your mm-hmm. retain your kick ass employees. If I'm allowed to say that on here, because right. they yeah. contribute. That's one of the words lot. you can say. <laughs> okay, they contribute a lot to your organization. You want to keep them around, and right now it's really right. hard to find talent. Mm-hmm. So here's one way right. you can help to do that. Mm-hmm. Right, you know, and and you know the this I love the stats. I mean, those are are so interesting because of course. Whether it's the, the the male or female, you know, and, and they're choosing to go back. Sometimes there's there is the difference between they want to go back and they need to go back. Um, you know, sometimes they they have to have that income. They might need to have those benefits. I mean, you know, there is that hardcore. Doesn't matter. I have to go back. I have to have that paycheck. And mm-hmm. then you know, as a combination of that, or completely by itself, is the I need to do it personally. You know, I find the work. You know, uh, and 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 so yeah, combining all of that is is just very tricky. And and as you said, it's completely individual. Um, yeah. It doesn't matter what it is, doesn't matter industry, company, whatever. Each person is totally different. Yeah, and, and I want to point out that you know, if you're an employer relying on the idea that oh, my employee has to come back because you know they need it financially, mm-hmm. they don't have to come back to you. Right, <laughs> they can mm-hmm. come back to another role. So mm-hmm. if you are mm-hmm. more, you know. Um, supportive and encouraging of their endeavor, they're more likely mm-hmm. to stay with you. And there's some research that shows that working parents who feel supported through their parental leave are some of the most loyal employees right. on the face of the earth. Mm-hmm. They will stick with you for the long mm-hmm. haul if you support them through this mm-hmm. major life transition. Right. You know, and one of the things that you point out in your book is the fact that, and let's let's plug the book again, Back <laughs> to Work After Baby. There it is. How to Plan and Navigate a Mindful Return. And mindful is the important part of that from maternity leave. And so, you know, it, it is one of those things where, you know, it, it varies from person to person. And I just lost my train of thought as to where I was going on that. Um, but, you know, it's, oh, oh, I know what it was. In your book, you talk about the fact that mothers are going to be one of your best employees. Doesn't matter, you know, at what level, but they're so good at multitasking. Um, you know, and, and that's frequently what you need. And, and, you know, and especially more at a managerial level, you know, and, and because they're, they're running the household, they're running the, you know, they're, they're doing their job, they might be volunteering, you know, all of these other things. And so they are able to kind of, you know, as best they can, keep all of those plates spinning. Yeah, I think uh, two things I want to say. One is, I think parenthood is an amazing uh, training ground for leadership. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. You know, we gain so many skills through parenthood from mm-hmm. prioritization mm-hmm. to being able to meet the needs of demanding clients who can't articulate their needs very clearly. Mm-hmm. Um exactly what you were saying. And I don't think that society writ large gives enough airtime to the positive qualities, right. leadership qualities that parents bring to the workplace. Mm-hmm. We're sort of automatically viewed as a detriment rather than an mm-hmm. asset. The other thing that I want to say is that I have evolved my thinking around the word multitasking a bit, probably since mm-hmm. I wrote the book. And um, I mean, it turns out that the human brain actually can't yeah. multitask on mm-hmm. two uh, tasks that require cognition at the same right. time. Mm-hmm. It, it yeah. ends up Your brain doesn't switch quite that easily. Mm-hmm. Right. Although moms are incredibly good at multitasking things like um Unloading the dishwasher or folding laundry while also, you know, being on a call and whatnot, right. which are mm-hmm. things that the human body can mm-hmm. multitask. Um, so when people say, oh, parents are such great multitaskers, I caution people that it, if we're constantly switching back and forth between cognitive tasks, we're actually mm-hmm. losing time. So right. we need to, mm-hmm. you know, focus on doing one project at a time for mm-hmm. as long as mm-hmm. possible if it requires our brain's use. But um, I do want to shout from the rooftops the idea that parenthood is leadership training that nobody had to pay for. Right. I mean, parents have yeah. to pay, but it's, your employer doesn't have to pay, and yet you're getting all these amazing skills. Right. You know, and you know, a lot of times parents are also doing other things that are are helping them gain more. They might be volunteering with PTA. I'm, you know, I all of these various other kind of job skills that people a lot of times don't even consider a job skill. Yeah, Deb. There's also amazing new neuroscience. Um, there's a a woman named. Um, Dr. Feldman, who's a neuroscientist at Yale, and she has discovered that the year after the birth of one's child, if you're actively engaged in caregiving, whether you're the mom or the dad or a Mm -hmm. grandma, um, is the year in the adult human experience when your brain is the most neuroplastic. Mm -hmm. So you have like the most opportunity for brain explosion Mm -hmm. 
during that year after your baby mm-hmm. arrives on the scene. And so it's not just, oh, we think we're getting these new skills, but our brains are actually being rewired differently, right. which I find fascinating. Mm-hmm. I wonder if it is, you know, and, and obviously more in women, but a hormone thing that that kind of helps with all that. I mean, you know, who knows? Yeah, I think it's about the caregiving and the attentiveness and responsiveness right. to the needs and being requiring some creativity mm-hmm. in solving problems that you never had to solve mm-hmm. before. I mean, yeah, and and empathy, empathy and yeah, yeah, all of those things that, um, you know, and and, and it, it's funny, you know, when I think about the, the people who are the best mentors, the best managers in many cases, it is a parent, you know, you know, a person who is a parent, because they do have those those other skills that they're able to bring in. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So I was I was thinking about, you know, how employers and just kind of the the world in general, you know, we've we've kind of alluded to it, does think about it differently, men versus women. Um, And I was thinking I'm I'm a huge college football fan. I don't know if you are, but, you know, um, I'm sorry then because yeah. I know Georgia. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, you know, I've only lived here nine years, so I'm like, okay. whatever. Um, you know, it was it was sad, but you know, they're they're not my team. Um, and but but you know, the the other the, the other team is actually who I'm going to talk about. So several weeks ago, um, uh, Nick Saban, you know, coach at, at Alabama, was doing one of his Zoom press conferences, and you know, anybody you know who is kind of you know, even if you're not a sports fan, a lot of people know Saban is pretty cut and dried, pretty, you know, this is what we do, you know, and, and, and he doesn't tolerate things that, that are distracting, um, you know, and, and so in the, the middle of this zoom, and I mean, this thing went viral just because it was so anti Saban, but it was so funny. Um, one of the reporters, you know, they flip to the reporter on zoom and, and start to ask their question and they've got the baby sitting there. And Saban actually stopped and said, who is this? What are you doing? You know, and, and he just got the biggest kick out of this in the world. But it was a male reporter. And, you know, and, and, and I wondered at the time, and I still do, you know, everybody thought, oh, isn't this cute? Dad's taking care of the baby. And Saban really did think it was funny. I mean, the guy started to apologize and he said, no, 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 no. Don't ever apologize for taking care of your family and, and things like that. So it was, you know, it was, it was kind of a sweet moment from Saban. But at the same point, I thought, you know, if that had been a female, people would have thought, well, that's not very professional. And I mean, it just it shows the difference. And maybe I'm kind of an anomaly, but I think that is, you know, kind of a a more universal type of of view. You are not an anomaly. There (laughs) is a lot of data uh, cite to Bridget Schulte's book called Overwhelmed Work, Love and Play When No One Has the Time uh, for data on the motherhood penalty mm-hmm. versus the fatherhood bonus. Mm-hmm. You know, whenever someone as you know learns that the a person is a mother and they're submitting mm-hmm. a resume, for example, mm-hmm. they are infinitely less likely to get called back for a, a right. callback or for an initial interview. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, um, a man who has a child is assumed to be a dedicated employee who needs right. to provide mm-hmm. his family. And mm-hmm. uh, that dads get, you know, accolades for taking their mm-hmm. children to the park right. or the grocery store is definitely mm-hmm. a, an aggravating fact in our society. Yeah. I mean, you know, when Nick Saban goes, hey, wasn't this cool? <laughs> you know, it's like, yeah, you know, it, it was. And and I mean, and that really is kind of the, the sad thing is the fact that, yeah, you know, we did. Yeah, and, and, and everybody really did look at that and go, oh, isn't that sweet? Um, you know, and and but we wouldn't have done that with a woman. We really would have gone. Couldn't she have put the baby down? Couldn't, you know, in, in another room, couldn't she have done this? Couldn't she have done that? And, you know, but yeah, with the guy, we went, Oh, that's sweet. Look. So let's change the narrative and have it be a beautiful thing. No matter who's holding the baby. Yeah. You know, isn't that great that that they're able to do that? Um, You know, and, and, you know, and, and, and it was, yeah, I mean, it, it should be that because I mean, we all, you know, we all know, but we sometimes need to be hit over the head with it. Raising our children and taking care of family should be the top priority. You know, it just, it should be, you know, no matter what else we're doing, taking care of your family should be the priority, um, you know, and, and, and it shouldn't matter what sex someone is. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Amen. That's de-gender caregiving, de-gender parental mm-hmm. leave. Yes. Yeah. yeah. 
you know, and, and so, but that, that does kind of make me think now about COVID mm-hmm. and how things have changed, whether they're going to stay changed, of course, will, will be the, the, the tricky thing, but um, yeah, the, the whole thing with, first of all, we had so many women who initially had to leave the workforce. Um, you know, and, and they were, they were back to working. They were doing all these things. Didn't matter, you know, if their kids were six months old, 16 years old, they'd gone back to work. Well, then COVID hits and all these little kids come home. And so it was so, you know, in, in, in many cases, maybe most, certainly not all, but in, you know, um, the, the women had to quit their job and, and go home and, and take care of the kids. And I, you know, that's, that, that, you know, that's kind of one of those weird things of the world. But now, you know, it, having to transition back is going to be a little bit difficult. But at the same point, I think we're also seeing one of the benefits of COVID with all of the work from home opportunities. Um, you know, so let's let's talk about that. What do you what do you, you know, what have you seen on some of those? Yeah, well, first of all, I'll say that um, I was home with two elementary schoolers. Oh, goody. <laughs> straight months down 15 count them Mm -hmm. then fourth grade and they're redheads so you know (laughs) i mean we got the family trampoline in the backyard because we needed a place to have these boys get their energy out and Uh there's only so many walks you can go on (laughs) oh and and how we live pretty close to rock creek park in washington Mm dc and um we had a tradition for a while of getting up every morning Packing our breakfast in some bags, getting in our minivan, going to Rock Creek Park, eating breakfast in the minivan, and then requiring our children to take a hike or a scooter ride before mm-hmm. the day began, because otherwise we were all going to kill each other. Mm-hmm. Um, we eventually became sick of Rock Creek Park. But, um, but yeah, there's only so many times you can look at the same tree, right? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. No, yeah, we needed a hiatus from it. But as you point out, the pandemic was uh, an unqualified, unmitigated disaster for so many parents. And I say was, but I feel weird saying was because we're still in it. Yeah, and- I love the people that say, I can't wait for it to get back to normal. Yeah, <laughs> that no. is not going to happen. <laughs> no, 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 no. Um, my children just got their second dose of the vaccine on Saturday and ah. we did a happy dance. And, you know, in two weeks, we'll then be able to go and take them to a restaurant again. Mm-hmm. And we're super mm-hmm. excited. But let's not forget that the under five crowd still doesn't have a vaccine. Right. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, there are people who are saying, OK, well, now that all the kids are vaccinated, like everybody can just come back to the office. Mm-hmm. And that's not true yet. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess I also want to highlight how unstable childcare has been, not just, you know, the fact that our, right, cause they shut down. down too. So I mean, that was it, the tricky thing. Yeah. And we're in a massive childcare crisis right now because a lot of childcares were forced to shut down mm-hmm. over the course of the mm-hmm. pandemic. And so when employers say, oh, just come on back. Well, that's, that's not so easy for people who have nowhere to take their children. I have a friend who, um, her kids are in childcare. And they're having such a shortage of childcare workers that they have closed down one of the classes. And for her, the other class, it is first come, first serve. This is like. So you could drive up and they could say, so sorry. (laughs) Yes. She has had to turn around and go home and be with her children during a day on a day when she thought she was going to be able to work because the daycare is full. I mean, never mind the situation around. Child cares and schools where you have one kid in the class who tests positive for COVID and suddenly you're and then everybody's home for at least a week. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So when people say, oh, when we were in COVID, I have to pause and just like mm-hmm. take a couple of calming breaths mm-hmm. because we're still very much in it. And I don't want those parents to get left behind. Right. But what you were pointing to earlier is the fact that we now have an opportunity for things to change and be different than they were even in a new normal and I think it's it's really complicated. And if anybody says that oh, we have the answer to how to make hybrid working and whatever work, then, mm-hmm. then they're lying. Holy cow. If they really have the answer, wowza. But no, they yeah. don't. <laughs> yeah. We're all like fumbling through the dark a little bit, trying to find our way. And the the solution, oh, let's all just go back and pretend like this never happened is, is not no. going to work. Mm-hmm. Um, navigating the hybrid nature of it is complicated too, right? Mm-hmm. Because on the one hand, as a working parent, hooray, liberation. I, mm-hmm. I don't have to do the commute is as well right. as drop off mm-hmm. and pick up, you know, anymore. And what becomes of 
a demographic where the people who are volunteering to work remotely or hybrid are all caregivers and working parents. Mm-hmm. And then you end up with the cool kids club back at the right. office, mm-hmm. yeah. whom the opportunity the, the hard workers, right? right. So mm-hmm. there's a, per- a perception around that. I know um, Bridget Schulte just wrote an article where she says that the people who opt to work remotely while everyone else is going back will be quote unquote, mommy tracked to the extreme. Mm-hmm. So, you know, right. you're out of sight, you're out of mind. Mm-hmm. How are you going to be included in the opportunities mm-hmm. that come up and the well, and just this, you know, this, yeah, it's not just the, hey, we see you every day. So we remember it's the the casual comments by the coffee maker, all of those various things. Yeah. So I, I don't know. I think that there's a huge opportunity here. I was um, I think it was on Krista Tippett's podcast around, um, you know, that we have a, a window here. We have mm-hmm. a, a fairly narrow window for identifying new ways of being and mm-hmm. being creative and stepping into them and trying them out before that window closes and we sort of just revert to our old habits. And I mm-hmm. want us to use this window for mm-hmm. experimentation mm-hmm. and good and claiming that no one has the answers, but we're all really like willing to dare and try new things mm-hmm. in the interim. Right. Well, and it is going to change. I mean, you know, my my husband's company is a great example. You know, they went on a you know Friday, March, whatever. They were at work. They worked on Monday. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You know, and, and so, you know, and, and then several times they have said, Hey, you're going to come back in as hybrid at X date in the future. And then, oops, can't do that. Oops. You know, and, and so they, he, he finally got the word that he will be work from home forever. So (laughs) he went in last week. I know. And that kind of scares you. Right. Um, And but he, so he went in last week and cleaned out his office. I mean, yeah. you know, and, and so now if he goes in, it will be just on an as needed basis and he'll use whatever space they, you know, they have. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and, and, and so that, that actually was kind of good because now he knows, but the hybrid thing is so confusing because again, you know, you don't know, you know, somebody might test positive. Somebody might just have a runny nose. I mean, you know, all yeah. these various things. <laughs> But I, I talked to somebody who was hybrid and has been for quite a while because she's in higher education. So they kind of needed to, to go back in. But she was work from home Tuesday, Thursday in the office, Monday, Wednesday, Friday. And she said at least once a day, no matter where she is, whatever file folder she needs is in the <laughs> other place. right? <laughs> you know? and, and she lives close enough to campus where and she has a teenage daughter where she can call and say, Hey, I need, and they can come trotting across. But I mean, you know, how many times does that happen? And I, and I don't, you know, we do have stuff on the cloud. I mean, all those various things, but yeah, you know, I, I, hybrid is just going to be a whole weird animal. Yeah. Um, not the least of which is, you know, Hey, you're taking your laptop home and oops, you broke it. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And I mean, think about um, new moms who are pumping too. You yeah. know, I had a pump at my office mm-hmm. and, you know, had all the stuff there mm-hmm. and oh, yeah. it, a logistical nightmare to carry all of those tools back and forth all the time. Well, and it ain't cheap. You know, it's not like you're going to have, you know, a full set in in both places. Um, yes. So, and, but, you know, and, and of course, all of us who have been working from home for years, I mean, that we all have had to, to, to figure out the whole, well, you're home. So, you know, you can do the laundry, you can do this, you can do that. Um, you know, and, and of course it's even, you know, a, a different dynamic when you're home with kids, because, you know, it, it's, I, I taught, I was interviewing one person on my podcast and she said, you know, every time she had two or three at home and she shuts her door and she says, there is a sign on the door that says, unless you are bleeding, do not knock. <laughs> and, you know, clearly that works with, with, you know, older kids, but that whole dynamic of, you know, it's like we were saying, you know, at the press conference, the kid is there, um, you know, and, and so, you know, and, and, and we've, I mean, I'm kind of like, well, that's cute. I mean, you know, it's going to happen. We've allowed yeah. ourselves the, to be seen. As yeah. we are, the cat wanders through, the dog wanders through, we should go, oh, look, there's the kid, um, you know, and, and so, yeah, it's just, we, I think. If anything, hopefully what this is doing is expanding kind of our empathy mm-hmm. for here is, you know, I, I, and, and maybe it comes back to, you know, the whole people who say, I want a work-life balance. 
There is no such thing. I, you know, I just scoff at anybody who thinks that. And I think so maybe it's that we just need to know that there's work life, you know, and, and they're all just very intertwined. Yeah, I do prefer the term work-life integration or just life. I mean, why do we right. put work over here and life yeah. over oh, here? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Work is part of life. It's all, mm-hmm. it's definitely all integrated. And I think we've been living in a world of complete work-life mush, as mm-hmm. I've been calling it, where we're not so skilled at setting helpful boundaries. And then we get burnt out because right. it's all just bleeding into mm-hmm. itself. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So I'm a huge advocate for integrating sort of micro mindfulness strategies and boundaries between work and home, even if they are a deep breath, whenever we, you know, put our laptop up or a transition ritual with our Mm -hmm. children. Whenever my kids were at daycare early on, we came up with this transition ritual to help them separate from us. Um, And it's called hug, kiss, push. They're allowed one squeezy hug, one squeezy kiss, and then a push out the door. Ah. And when we were at daycare, this helped them to physically separate from Mm -hmm. us. So, Mm -hmm. um, you know, you picture the three-year-old attached to dad or To your leg. Yeah. Uh Um, So when they were allowed to push us, which normally they're not allowed to do, so they felt hilarious. Kind of empowered them. It empowered them. It physically separated us. And they left, like we left while they were mm-hmm. laughing. It's like, ha ah, ah, ha, I got to push mommy. Yeah. My children are eight and 10 and they still do hug his push. Like mm-hmm. I'll say, okay, I'm going up to work now. Hug his push mommy. And, you know, mm-hmm. on the school playground, same thing. And so to the extent you can identify, I think, transition rituals to build into your day. Before I sit down and start working in the morning, I have a raise the blinds, make the bed, sit down. Sort right. of take a you make it your office. Mm-hmm. And I think we need to establish those pauses and boundaries. Otherwise, we're feeling like we're always on in all the areas right. of our lives. Right. Yeah. You know, and, and of course, that's one of the things that the employers need to do. And it doesn't matter if you're you know, a parent or not, the, the whole work from home, you know, just because your computer is there doesn't mean you're going to check emails at 10 o'clock at night. Yes. And, you know, I had that when, when, and, and I've been working from home for about 20 years, um, took my, you know, started my business, moved home. That was great. Thought that was fabulous. But my clients all pretty much thought I worked 24 mm-hmm. seven. And, and I have, at that point I had clients across the, the United States. Now I have clients, you know, all over everywhere. And so, you know, you do have to adapt. Obviously, you know, in, 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 because of time zones and things, but you know, they they literally would expect that I would would respond at ten o'clock at night. So the first boundary I had to have was myself mm-hmm. to not be doing that, or at least not respond. Because the first time you respond, it's gone. Okay. They're gonna, you know, yeah. and but then the other thing, and and I could do this because these were my clients. It's a little bit more difficult, you know, with employer employee. I told them, you know what, if it, it, there are things that happen. If you need evening, nights, weekends, holidays, if you need me to be doing something, then that's great. It costs you double. <laughs> <laughs> and it was amazing how they, you know, oh, it can wait till tomorrow morning. Yeah, um, okay. you know, but yeah, those boundaries are going to be yeah. so important for anybody who's working from home to say, okay, I'm still, these are my hours that I will check. And, you know, I still tell my clients, okay, text me. If it is something that needs done outside of office hours, because that will catch my attention, um, yeah. you know, and, and then obviously it depends on what it is, but they do know, okay, it really is pretty much an, an emergency situation for them to contact, or they might be saying, Hey, I'm going to send you something in the morning. They're kind of doing it as the reminder, but, but yeah, the, the whole boundary thing with, with working from home is, is going to be absolutely critical for people. Yeah. And I think a lot of working parents do work, what we refer to as the split shift, where we work until a certain hour and then we have to go pick up our kids and do like dinner and bath and bed. And we take a couple of hours out. And then a lot of us come back online afterward. And what I've learned to do that I'm good with some folks and not with others, but during that split shift, when I go back up to work after my kids are in bed um, and I'm back online for a while Mm -hmm. is that I schedule the email to go out at 8am the following. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, at least people are not feeling on the hook to respond to me mm-hmm. at 1030, even if I'm. Yeah, because it's, it's reciprocal, time. right? Mm-hmm. Exactly. Right. And, and I'd have worked very hard on creating a hard stop for myself at 1030 PM um, mm-hmm. where, you know, my husband and I then sit on the couch and we do a meditation together and we sort of get ready for the next day. Mm-hmm. Um, because when I was blowing through that nighttime um, time and just not paying attention to when I was shutting down, then I was 
cranky and grumpy and not helpful to right. anyone. So. Yeah, yeah, because you would get to working on a project, doing research, whatever, yeah. and all of a sudden it'd be midnight, and you're thinking, I've only got just a little bit more to go, right? And a little bit more is never just a little bit more. Yeah, yeah. exactly. So and- I found that for myself. Having an accountability partner, someone who knows that I'm like declaring that I'm shutting down and having an enjoyable next activity. So I'm not shutting down just to doom scroll or something Mm -hmm. has been a really helpful way of setting that nighttime boundary. Um, Yeah. So my husband and I do a meditation. Then I come up and I read a couple of pages of a book and that's something I look forward to. Oh, if I don't stop now, I'm not going to get to read the couple of pages of that book that I'm engaged in. Yeah, I I love it. You and, And you talk in your book a lot about setting schedules, setting all of those things. I, I love the chapter where you talked about the firsts and, you know, and, and, and I just, I thought that was so cute again, you know, from the non-parental view, but I always remember when people said, you know, spoke for the first time, walked for the first time, all of those various things. And, you know, and, and all of this is going to go together with that big G word, the whole guilt thing. Um, but, you know, so you've, you've got your child off at daycare with grandma, wherever, and they have their first whatever. And you're just feeling horribly guilty about it. And I love the fact that in your book, you point out it's, it doesn't have to be the first, it's the first when you see it, you know, and, and so, and I love when you say, you know, maybe daycare and wherever shouldn't be telling you, oh, they called me mommy (laughs) or took their first steps or or whatever. Just, you know, had a good day. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And some daycares do have a policy of not telling you. Yeah. We, we had our first, uh, he learned how to clap you know, at our dining room table. And we went into daycare the next morning and said, he learned how to clap. And they said, we know. Yes. <laughs> um, Been but, doing it for three weeks, but. <laughs> yeah, it didn't diminish our joy when we saw it for the first time. Mm-hmm. And they could do the, something for the first time. You know, they could learn how to stand up in their crib at night with no one watching or right. you know, while you're in the bathroom. It's not, be- here's what I want to say. Mm-hmm. It's not because you went to work. Right. That you missed the first mm-hmm. Um, somebody right. Yeah, you could have just missed it because you were in the one. other room. Mm-hmm. Yes, exactly. Um, so everybody says, oh, I'm a horrible mom because I missed it because I was working. No, enough of mm-hmm. that narrative. Right. Um, go celebrate the fact that you're seeing this beautiful new thing. Mm-hmm. Now take the, the video and send it to your uh, loved ones and, mm-hmm. and celebrate. Don't, yeah. don't blame yourself for working. Yeah, yeah. You know, but but it does come back to a lot of guilt, um, you know, and, and, you know, you have guilt for, for leaving the child to go to daycare. You have guilt for not doing your work, for not supporting, you know, your, your coworkers, your company, whatever it is. And, and it, it becomes this whole huge, vicious circle. Um, so talk to us a bit about how, you know, how that can be managed. Yeah, yeah. Um... Perhaps ironically, I find that the best strategy for working parents to use first when they're feeling that guilt and you know the spiral of guilt mm-hmm. is to recognize that they're in it and just say, okay, like, welcome guilt. I yeah, see it you. is what it is. Mm-hmm. I see you here. Mm-hmm. I see that I am feeling guilty and that's okay. And just tell yourself like, that's okay. And I'm going to sit with it and watch it pass because it's not mm-hmm. going to stick with you. Right. The other um mantra that I use, well, I use a couple of mantras on a daily basis, but one of them is um, you are enough. It's something that I repeat to myself, probably ad nauseum, like you're doing enough right now. It, if you're giving, you know, 90% at work and 90% at home, that's already 180% right. of a human Somehow that work. didn't add up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I'm a huge proponent of repeating to yourself the Teddy Roosevelt quote, comparison is the thief of joy. Because when you can center on your own values and center on what's important and the fact that you are doing what you need to do for the priorities that are in your life and tune out the noise of what he's doing over here and what she's doing over there, then I think you can um, calm down a lot of that internal anxiety. Right. Um, And find other working parents. They're going to normalize the situation for you Mm -hmm. and say, hey, you are doing an amazing job. And um, maybe you can't get everything done all in one day, but no human being is meant to. And right. that's okay. If you, that's why we have to-do lists. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to have a to-do list when I'm 90. Like, I mean, it's not all going to get done on one day. Right. So I think we do feel guilty, but just included among all the other emotions that you have, it is just one of the many right. emotions mm-hmm. that we feel. And when we normalize that and can articulate it, I think it moves through us in a way that doesn't allow it to get us stuck. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, and, and then there are the, the, the ones where, you know, you feel guilty because 
they're in daycare now. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I'm, I'm back to having some time to myself. I'm, you know, and then yeah. you're like, Oh my God, I'm a horrible parent. You know? and, um, but yeah, I mean the, the whole guilt wagon and it's Not you know, the horrible parent thing. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I've been, I read Glennon Doyle's book untamed and now I have her journal and I've just started digging into it. But one of the couple, first couple of prompts are a good parent, uh, a good mother is a good daughter is, mm-hmm. and sort of writing out where you got those stories, what stories ah. you have in your head about mm-hmm. what a good daughter is, what a good friend is, what a good mm-hmm. spouse is, and thinking about where those stories come from. And you might be amazed to find that you have stories in your head that are conflicting with each right. other, that mm-hmm. you got from some ancient time that doesn't even relate mm-hmm. to your current life. Um, but I found that like writing those out can be super helpful to articulating like, oh, that's why I'm feeling weird about this because there's some story playing in my head. Right that I'm not a good parent. What I like to focus on, especially with the guilt is I am modeling for my sons Mm -hmm. what it is like to be a professional woman Mm -hmm. who's a mother who Mm -hmm. takes care of herself and values that. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. I want them to grow up believing that, you know, if they have a a partner who's a woman, Mm -hmm. that she is able to do all of those yes. things and does not have to be the murder for mm-hmm. her family either. Right. So I, I also view it as a modeling for mm-hmm. the next generation. Right. Well, and showing them what they can do to make sure that that happens. And, and, you know, it's, it's with, you know, whoever their partner is, you yes. know, how, how they can be supportive. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So what are some more things we, we've, you know, we've got just a little over 10 minutes left. Um, what are some more things that an employer can do to really help, these parents, you know, and, and again, whether it's just, you know, baby is six weeks old or baby is 16 years old, you know, what, what can, what, can employers really be doing to, to help them? Yeah. I love that question. I have like 50 million things, but I'll start off with some of the simple ones, which are, I think, first of all, someone in a leadership position within the company to say, caregivers are valued in our company. And we want you to come back after you take your leave and we know that you contribute valuably to us. I think hearing that from someone in leadership matters more than almost anything. Right. Um, you know, there are companies that provide um, mentorship opportunities so that a parent within the company is paired with an expectant parent within ah, the company mm-hmm. so that they can um, sort of help, you know, guide them through the parental leave and return process. Um, you know, a, a small token of, a uh, celebration for the arrival of the child can be really nice. The company oh. onesie with the logo on it or a little you know, t-shirt. Com- yeah. yeah. Little onesie. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there are companies that provide a copy of my book back to work after yeah. leaving with a company onesie, you know, and I love um, that. Mm-hmm. The firm that I worked for had sort of gifts that were staggered. So every couple of months they were sending something when the baby got to be around six months, they sent a little bowl and spoon, you know, because the baby's mm-hmm. starting to learn how to eat. Um, so I think th- those gestures can be really, really kind. Um, I think if you're an employer that has um, any sort of affinity groups, consider including a caregiver and or parent related affinity group Mm -hmm. among those. Um, I have gotten both really amazing support from and even business development opportunities Mm -hmm. from joining a group within my employer of other working parents and caregivers. I'm I'm a serial founder of these working parent Mm -hmm. groups. Um, both at the employer where I was when I had my kids and at the law firm. <clears throat> and now I've become the convener of a group called the Working Parent Group Network mm. or WPGN. And we have mm-hmm. over 200 leaders of working parent groups at organizations who wow. all come together mm-hmm. to sort of mm-hmm. help each other not recreate the wheel. Mm-hmm. So happy mm-hmm. to get you tapped into that. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, benefits are huge, right? Um, a parental leave benefit that is degendered and not doesn't say primary and secondary caregiver, right. but just says, mm-hmm. you know, parent, parent. Mm-hmm. Um, is a really big deal. And paid leave is super helpful. Mm-hmm. Um, I think manager training is another really mm-hmm. helpful tool for people. Um, managers often feel like, okay, gosh, I don't know what to do. Like I'm being left out on mm-hmm. a limb here. And my I don't want my like, other employees to feel bad. What do I do? Mm-hmm. What do I do? How do I navigate this conversation? How do I... Um, manage the person who's going on leave and the workload and everything. And to the extent um, as an employer, you can provide some tools to the manager, mm-hmm. a template parental leave guide that they can use to have a conversation with their employee mm-hmm. who's going out on leave. Um, some guidelines for what 
they should be thinking about other people they can be paired with as mentors who maybe their employee already went out on parental mm-hmm. leave and they can mm-hmm. talk. So um, at Mindful Return, we have a manager training module as well. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, that that emotional support, some tools to help with the transition. I mean, the Mindful Return course mm-hmm. is a four-week program that is specifically designed to help new parents mm-hmm. with that transition. Mm-hmm. And as I mentioned, 84 employers offer it as a benefit. And so mm-hmm. there are strategies to actually help your employee feel more confident, have a smoother transition and want to come back. at the right. end of the leave. Yeah. Right. You know, and, and then when they expand that to everyone, you know, and, and so, you know, they're, they're saying, okay, now you're a caregiver, mm-hmm. um, you know, or, Hey, you just want a six month, sabbatical. I mean, you know, all of those things that the companies that are truly becoming empathetic (laughs) are, are the ones that are going to be successful. Um, you know, and, and, and yeah, there are always times where you have to have rules. I mean, you know, there's, there's just, you know, um, but to be able to combine that with empathy, I think is, is what's important. Absolutely. Because we're all human. We all have needs outside Mm -hmm. of the job. Yes. Mm -hmm. Right. You know, and, and of course, one of the things that that we always want to you know make sure we mention is the fact that you know, there are times you know we've been talking about guilt and and all of those things. Um, you know, there there are obviously some people who have very severe issues. Um, you know, the the postpartum d- uh, depression type of things, and you know, and and so you know we want to encourage you know anybody to to make sure that they're taking care of that. Um, and a lot of times, you know, I've, I've seen this and I've heard people talk about this. Somebody else sees it, you know, and, and so like I might, you know, you and I might be on a Zoom every other day and I notice a change in mm-hmm. you, um, you know, and, and I mean, I, we've been talking about this just in general with, you know, people working at home and getting depressed and, and things like that. And so I think it's important for employers, for coworkers, all of those to feel like they can say, hey, you know, we're concerned, um, yeah. you know, and, and obviously where, you know, where, where medical help is needed, it needs to be, you know, you need to be able to get it. Absolutely. Yeah. And to have the, the manager who says to the employee, like, it must be really challenging right now to have your kid at home and be trying to work, mm-hmm. you know, can, can go a long way to, I think, building that bridge that allows for more of that trust and communication right. to happen. Right. Yeah. And again, you know, kind of laughing when, you know, the kid comes through and, and, and things like that. Um, you know, I, I did a podcast interview uh, and it was so funny that the, it was a guy and he was he, at his kitchen table, which I thought, wow, you know, we've been doing this for 20 months and he's still at his kitchen table. Okay, whatever. I mean, you know, for all I knew, it was this tiny little apartment in the middle of it. He's the, the kid comes in and I mean, this is a teenager mm-hmm. makes his lunch and goes back out. I mean, and we just kept right on going. Yeah. <laughs> but I also laugh when somebody's dog comes wandering through. And but again, that's you know, it's that whole empathy thing to know that you know not everybody can shut themselves off in their private office. Um, you know, and, and all of these. And and to me, it makes it more fun to kind of mm-hmm. know, oh my gosh, look, they've got a cat, they've got you know, these two little redhead boys. I mean, all of those various mm-hmm. things. So what, you know, we've, we've got um, about five minutes left. And, and so what strategies should new parents have to help them become more calm and successful? COVID, not COVID, we don't care about any of that. Just what can they do? Yeah, it's a great question. Um, so when I was returning to work after parental leave, I didn't really have a structured way of thinking mm-hmm. through it. And so it was a bit of a muddle for me. But in the interim, I've created this program that has four different prongs Mm -hmm. and four different themes. And I would say that if you can ground yourself in these four themes Mm -hmm. and give yourself sort of a framework for returning, Mm -hmm. you'll feel like you have something to hang your hat on. You'll feel like you have something more concrete. You have a little control, right? Isn't that kind of one of the big things we all think, oh my God, I have no control over anything. Over (laughs) anything in new Mm -hmm. parent life. Yeah. So the four categories are a mindful mindset for going back to work, logistics, leadership, and community. And I'll just maybe give one tip in each of those four right, categories. Perfect. Our course dives into, you know, so many more. Um, in terms of a mindful mindset, I think taking that, don't undervalue the little pauses. 
For me, I, we were talking about multitasking. I multitask my shower mm-hmm. and that every morning I get into the shower and I use this acronym ISS. I think I mm-hmm. talked about this in the book where I stands for set an intention. The first S stands for stretch and the next S stands for savor. This is like five minutes when I am not attached to a child, right? I'm alone <laughs> in a shower with nobody else, which is yes. remarkable. And so I set an intention for my day. The intention might be go to bed at 9.30 PM because you are freaking exhausted. Or the intention might be repeat the mantra, I am enough as many times as you can today. Um, then stretch a couple of yoga poses in the shower feels good. And then savor. That's the gratitude practice. That's the remember that I have hot water. And although there might be churros on the floor, there are also churros. Food. People, I have food. We're not on the toilet paper hunt right now anymore. <laughs> COVID. Um, you know, like take that moment to really soak in the good things. So, you know, that don't undervalue the importance of taking those small pauses as a new parent. On the logistical side, um, in terms of going back to work after having a baby, I'm a big advocate for phasing into childcare, phasing into work if that is possible. Not so, just you know, Monday, it changes, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So first of all, you can go back to work for your first day on a Thursday or Friday. It doesn't have to be a Monday. Um, but you can also you know, negotiate with your employer to say, okay, for the first day, can I come back for these hours and then grow over time? Same thing with childcare. You don't have to have them in childcare the full day, the first day. Um, In terms of leadership, we talked about this earlier, but remember that you're gaining amazing skills through parenthood that you may not see immediately if you're still in the fog of new baby land, but start writing them down. Start a list of the skills that you think you're gaining by being a parent and put put that somewhere where you can see it. And then the fourth thing is building and staying in community. I isolated myself and cried on the kitchen floor way too many times to count, and it was not pretty, and I felt like I had to do it alone. And I just want all new parents to know that you do not have to do this thing alone. There are lots of parents out there who work and love their babies and are amazing parents and amazing um, professionals. And we've got your back. And so, you know, by doing something like joining a cohort of Mindful Return, you are in a program with other people who are all returning around the same time you are. Go to the baby and, and parent groups and, you know, don't don't sit alone and think that you have to do it all by yourself. So that's sort of the the four categories that we try to, to work in to help people feel like they have some agency over their return. I love it. I love it. You know, and, and we didn't talk about the fact that, you know, this, this really does apply to everyone. You know, yes. we, we, you know, my generation um, are now being grandparents <laughs> and, you know, and, and so it might be that for Christmas, I buy your book. For you know, like I said, I don't have grandkids, but nieces, nephews, um, you know, and and um, you know, and 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 we all know people who are going through this, right? Um, mm-hmm. You know, it, it's it, whether it's you know your children or you know your your friends, whoever. There are ways that we can help, and I think that's the the big thing to remember is you know just because I'm not going through it doesn't mean that I can't help someone else. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and, and so that was was a big part of why I wanted to talk about this on the program today. Is this, this is universal? Yeah, yeah, and, and as parents, we'll take all the help and support and love and nurturance that we can get. And if uh, grandma and grandma grandpa want to come over and volunteer for a few hours to take the children, that's always mm-hmm. you know welcome. Yeah. <laughs> just watch it on the advice. <laughs> Yes, unsolicited advice probably leave uh, by the wayside. But um, yes, yes, well, I saw my kids did. Mm-hmm, no, mm-hmm. no, no. Your, your physical presence, love, care, nurturing, and babysitting. You know, mm-hmm. Always welcome. Yep. And remember, they are the parents. You know, if they have rules, you need to follow those. You know, grandma can spoil to some degree, but yeah. <laughs> So, oh my gosh, Lloyd, this has been absolutely wonderful. Um, You know, I mentioned your book, you know, for those who are watching on the video, let's see the book again. It's called Back to Work After Baby, How to Plan and Navigate a Mindful Return from Maternity Leave. And we're going to put paternity in there too, um, because it it is for for both. Um, But tell us a little bit how people contact you and find you and and what the services are that you provide. Great. Thank you, Deb. Um, You can find Mindful Return at mindfulreturn.com. And we have a new cohort of programs for brand new moms transitioning back to work and brand new dads. We have a dad cohort as well um, that starts on January 10th and it runs every other month um, throughout the year. We've been running these Mm -hmm. for years. I'm delighted to say that we have expanded internationally. We have. I know we didn't even get to talk about that. (laughs) 
We have a chapter for moms in the UK who are returning to work after parental leave. We have, I love how you just said mom. <laughs> oh, yes, I learned. It's not mom. They're moms there. They're not moms. They're moms. Mm-hmm. Um, we have India-based chapters for new moms and dads in India who are going back to work after leave. And in January, we are also launching the Spanish language version of our mom and dad global courses. Mm-hmm. Um, we also are launching Mindful Return 201, which is a four-week-long program for working parents who are feeling overwhelmed, even though they're back after, mm-hmm. um, you know, they've been back after leave for a year or 10 years, and they're still feeling the stress of working parenthood. So we have a course that is four lessons, four videos, and four coaching calls that mm-hmm. starts up on. January 10th. Um, I co-host a podcast, Parents at Work, that you can find on all the places that you find podcasts. Mm -hmm. Um, And I'm on all the usual social media channels. So feel free to link in with me, Lori Mahalik Levin, um, connect to our Mindful Return business page on LinkedIn, Mm -hmm. follow us on Instagram, Facebook, you know, all the usual stuff at Mindful Return. Perfect. I love it. I love it. You know, and, and this really has been great. And yeah, you know, like I said, there were things we didn't get to talk about. So that just means we have to have you on again. And maybe, <laughs> you know, we do it, you know, when things have gotten a little more <clears throat> normal. Um, <laughs> you know, I, I tell people it's it's a new normal, right? You know, it's not normal. There's no uh-uh. Um, and and so you know, to, to be talking about, okay, now here's here's the new issues that people are mm-hmm. facing. Um, you know, we really didn't talk about, you know, the baby boom after, you know, all these people, you know, went, were, were home. <laughs> you know? um, but, but yeah, so we will definitely have you on again. And, and I look forward to that. But until then, do you have any final thoughts that you want to leave everyone with? If you're a new parent going through this, you got this. You have a whole world of people who've got your back, who are ready to support you. You don't have to do this alone. And if you're not a new parent, look around for a new parent and maybe just ask the question, what can I do to support you? Because we could all use a little extra help in these crazy pandemic parenthood times. I love it. I love it. Well, I am Deb Creer. I've been having an absolutely fascinating discussion with Lori Mahalik-Levin. And until next time, everyone have a great day. Tune in for our next program for even more trends, best practices, and techniques for how to make your business a success. The Business Power Hour, hosted by Deb Creer, is proud to be part of the C-Suite Network. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.